welcome to episode 19 of the School of Self-Improvement. I am your host, Christina. I am a weight loss coach and qualified nutritionist, and I run an online weight loss program called The Protein Priority Diet. But this podcast is all about self-improvement, whether that's weight loss, whether that's emotional self-improvement, whether that's learning, development, whatever that means to you. And every episode of the School of Self-Improvement, I try to bring something new, new perspectives, new ways of thinking that are just going to help you in your self-development journey. So introductions out of the way. I want to welcome you to episode 19. And today we're going to be talking about something that is really close to my heart and it's toxic health. I have fallen into this trap on so many occasions over the last 25 years of dieting and trying to lose weight. I have fallen in for every single toxic health um, trend, all of this advice that was out there. I tried it all. I've done cabbage soup diet. I did that stupid thing that Uh, I think it was Beyonce was doing with water and maple syrup and cayenne pepper. I tried everything. And after I went back to university and I got my nutrition qualification, I realized just how toxic the health and especially the weight loss industry is. It really upsets me to be part of an industry that is so very toxic. And I've talked about it before, the difficulties that I have in marketing my products and my services as a weight loss nutritionist, because I don't want people to get into a false sense of security or a false sense of hope, which is even worse, that I've got some magic pill. And it's something that I say all the time in my program, especially in the protein priority diet, that you have to put the work in. If you don't put the work in, you don't get anything out. And that especially is for people who are just allergic to tracking their food. I always say, have it worked up to now? No? Well, then chances are that repeating that is not going to work either. So I always am very clear that it's not a magic pill. It's not a quick fix solution. Yes, you will experience rapid weight loss for many people. That is the case, but you have to follow the instructions. You have to track your food. You have to count your calories. You have to be careful about what you're eating. I wish I could just bottle up some magic elixir and sell it. And I actually say to a friend of my daughter, he is typical boy in his early 20s he eats incredible amounts of food and doesn't put on an ounce of weight and I always say to him that I wish I could bottle his metabolism and sell it because I know I'd be able to retire in a couple of years if I managed to find that magic pill and unfortunately it doesn't exist But the weight loss industry has become so incredibly toxic. Um, Like I said, I find it really difficult to navigate advertising my business as part of that because it's not really part of it. Like it's anti-toxic dieting, anti-toxic diet culture, but even health in general is incredibly toxic. If we just look at some of the language that is used in the weight loss industry, one of the things that really bugs me is using the words clean and dirty. And this drives me crackers because it 
really tells us that there's something wrong that there's really something right and really something wrong and if you're not doing it right then you're not doing it right if you get me so this idea of clean eating dirty keto I uh I, I just it I despair of people who say that they eat dirty keto. There's no such thing. There are varying degrees of whole food that you can eat. And you might not eat whole food. You might eat a mix of whole food and processed food. Don't use the word dirty. The word dirty doesn't exist when it comes to the way you eat and your health. Unless you are talking about the the actual soil that's still on your potatoes or, or your carrots after they've been taken up from the ground. And see, here's the thing. I have been coaching for five years now. I've been on my weight loss journey for six years. And in that time, in all of those years of coaching, what I have learned is that people need different things. People need to follow different ways of eating. People need different types of food. And some people have to eat a whole food diet like me. I have to eat a completely whole food diet. If I introduced any processed food at all, I don't feel good and my weight loss stops. So I have to eat whole food. But there are people out there who can eat quite a lot of processed food and still maintain their healthy weight and still feel good and still have perfect health and especially in the keto community this was something that really made me decide to step back from being part of that community was this idea that if you're not doing it right you're not doing it right at all and that it won't work Um, we had these arbitrary rules that people were putting on each other and the fact is that like I said through my years of coaching I've discovered that Some people do need starches, especially women do need starches before their cycle begins in order to have healthy, balanced hormones. I need to eat some carbs first thing in the morning to maintain my uh, healthy thyroid and to maintain healthy hormone balance. So I eat some vegetables first thing in the morning, not every morning, but most mornings I do. And that has been kind of a revelation that came to me over the years that I can put somebody on a standard keto diet, high protein, moderate fat, low carb, and it will work for one person and won't work for another. But if we switch it to high protein, moderate carb and low fat, they will lose weight, they will feel better, they will feel healthier and all of their health markers will improve. And that's the basis of the protein priority diet. We all need protein and nobody is getting away from that fact. We need to eat a lot more protein than we do. So a high protein diet, And then if your body needs moderate fat, low carb, that's what you eat. If your body needs moderate carb, low fat, that's what you eat. Just even a whole section on how to find out what your body needs by listening to what your body is telling you. So this idea that the very language that this industry has wrapped up in its marketing is just so insidious and it really puts the onus back on us, the blame back on us that if we aren't doing it right it's our own fault or if we are not able to follow the guidance and and the advice that we're being given as part of our quote-unquote clean eating um, habits then we're not doing it right at all and we're doomed to failure and we're 
um, less than perfect human beings and we don't deserve any of the success that we get. It is incredibly toxic. Then you take a look at the guidelines for healthy living and they are so strict and restrictive. Everything is black and white. Uh, you know, don't eat this, don't eat that. You can't have any of this, you can't have any of that. And I remember during my years coaching keto specifically, and you know, I still coach keto. Uh, people in my program are still doing keto because keto has nothing to do with fat, all to do with carbs. So there are definitely people still following keto diet in my program. But what I saw was that a lot of people were really restricting things that didn't need to be restricted. So obviously ketogenic diet is low carb, but that doesn't mean no carb or it doesn't mean extremely low carb. When I had people crying to me, I mean crying that they had eaten peas, I just, I, I realized just how toxic this whole thing had become. Peas, nobody got fat eating peas. Nobody got fat eating carrots. Nobody got fat eating onions. Yet there was such carb fear in the keto community that I had been kicked out of a Facebook group for asking a woman if she had considered to eat more starchy carbs like carrots and onions before her cycle to try and balance her hormones. I got kicked out of a group for suggesting that somebody eat vegetables. I mean, that that to me just is peak toxicity, peak toxic health. And unfortunately, you know, we've got dogma everywhere when it comes to health and especially weight loss. And keto just fell into that trap and became one of the victims of this toxic health culture. And here's the thing about restricting and having a real lack of diversity in your diet. You are blocking a diversity of micronutrients, which are essential for rounded health. When I look at the carnivore community, the majority of people are just eating steak and liver and eggs. And while that is good for a short period of time, it's great to do a health reset. You need the diversity of different types of animals. We wouldn't have lived on just one type of animal and one type of food. We were nomadic. We would have moved around. We would have hunted different things. We would have gathered different things. So what I do as part of my carnivore regime when I do strict carnivore is I eat beef, I eat chicken, I eat pork, I eat eggs and I eat different eggs. I eat duck eggs, I eat goose eggs, I eat quail eggs and I eat chicken eggs because I need a diversity of nutrients and micronutrients especially. And one of the things that has come to light about food intolerances is that it tends to be dose dependent. So somebody who has an intolerance to eggs, for example, to chicken eggs, if you take them off chicken eggs for around about six to eight weeks and then reintroduce eggs using goose, duck or quail, the egg allergy, not not the allergy, the intolerance goes away and doesn't come back as long as they don't overdose on eggs so really control the amount of eggs that they are having but this lack of diversity 
is just as bad and Dutch, just as damaging to us as a standard Western diet. So it is a hugely toxic cycle to fall into. And avoiding certain whole foods like fruits and vegetables because you are afraid of the carbs or you're afraid of the um, the dogma that has been put in place around this food, then it really is a sign that you have fallen into this toxic diet, toxic health culture. I've got a quite large social media following and I don't say that to big myself up or anything. At the end of the day, it's it's a pretty meaningless thing. Um, but it means that I have a really lovely community around me and a really supportive environment for others who want to join my community. But as a consequence of this, I get a lot of emails and uh, DMs from companies offering me products to try and to advertise to my community. Now, if you've been around here a long time, you will know that I'm extremely discerning with the products um, that I advertise or I that I recommend and I will never ever do it for something that I haven't recommended it will always be a tried and tested product that I have used myself I have researched myself and I like the look of and I think that my community will like it so there's only been about two or three companies that I have ever worked with because of that but I get messages every single day and some of them are absolutely bizarre I had one company that was selling a caffeine mint for appetite control. So the, the, these were like mints that you would eat and they had a lot of caffeine in them and they're designed to control your appetite. And they reached out to me and, uh, and I was basically, no, thank you. Um, I got a lot of companies that are trying to get into the keto sphere and the really low carb sphere with their products telling me that they're zero carb cereal or they're zero carb product and I go and I have a look at the nutrition and I have a look at the ingredients and they are just franken food and they are just designed to keep you addicted to sweet things so I often reject them there are very few companies that I work with that sell products like that one of the main ones that I work with is Perfect Keto and the reason that I like Perfect Keto is because all of the products have been designed and tested by doctors and it, it just has the best ingredients out of all the products that I have ever tried. But I get the worst kind of advertising coming my way. One of the ones that I get a lot is these diet shakes, diet teas and diet waters, that was another one that I got. I was like, what is a diet water? You mean like stuff that comes out of my top? Yeah, but it was like fortified with vitamins. And yeah, it was just a really good marketing ploy. So this idea that you can detox, thats that was the one of the words that they used the most was detox. Detox tea, detox shake, weight loss shake, weight loss tea. And the reality is that they just don't work. You have a liver and you have kidneys. I'm assuming you have at least one kidney and you have your liver. That is all you need. That is your detox system. Your liver and your kidneys detox your body and nothing you do is going to accelerate that or decrease it. 
obviously the more whole food you eat the, the easier it is for your liver and your kidneys to process anything that needs to be processed but you're certainly not going to benefit from any sort of detox shake or detox tea they just don't work now there are some teas that are really good for helping things like digestion like something with licorice in it, something with peppermint in it, of course, they really, really work well. And chamomile tea is great for relaxation. But if you are looking at teas for weight loss or detox or anything like that, then chances are that you are being sold a product that really is not going to make that much of a difference to the detox process. Because like I said, as long as you have a liver and you have at least one kidney, one functioning kidney, um, that's all you need to detox and you are doing that all day every day now the reason that people whose kidneys aren't working very well go on dialysis is literally to do the detox it is cleaning the blood it is taking all of those anti-nutrients out of the blood that the kidneys would normally do and managing hormone levels and managing um, all of those systems that lead to the kidneys so that your kidneys can flush out anything that you no longer need that's what dialysis does so you don't need a tea you just need at least one working kidney to be able to do that. Fear is another great marketing tactic and it is used so uh, well. It is, it is used so efficiently in the toxic diet industry. And I'm going to call it an industry because that's at the end of the day what it is. Um, you know, my weight loss program works really well. If you eat whole food, you track your you track what you're eating, you track your calories, and you make sure that you are eating protein and keeping your carbs and fats in balance. It works spectacularly well, but it's not marketable. So if I'm standing up against another company who's offering you a pill or a shake that you drink twice a day, that's going to make you lose weight versus me saying, well, you got to do the work. You got to work out what your numbers are. You got to work out where your weight loss zone is. You got to work out where your weight loss maintenance zone is. You got to work out what kind of foods work best for you. You've got to work out whether fat or carbs are your friend when it comes to weight loss. I'm going to get nowhere. I'm not going to sell my product. This person with the shortcut and the easy way out is going to absolutely win that marketing battle. But what they do is they prey on your fears. Now, I never do that. It's a, a really masculine energy marketing tactic to say, you know, this thing is going to explode if you don't buy it right now, or you will never get where you need to go without this product. You will never get to your weight loss goal if you don't include this product as part of your regimen. And I will never, ever, ever market like that because it preys on people's fears and it gives them hope, in many cases, false hope. Think about the amount of failed diets you've done in your life, the amount of failed euros and dollars that have gone down the drain because whatever was being sold to you was a lie, was false hope. So I don't market like that. I could do spectacularly well if I preyed on people's fear of never getting to their goal weight, of never losing weight. But I absolutely will never do that. But we've got new fears that have come from the dogma. If you think of the keto community, and I go back to this time and time again, because I actually lived through the 
um, the evolution of the keto community from something very small, very science-based, very practical, very straightforward into this massive church of keto with strict dogma and exile for anybody who strayed out of the path. And our fears used to be based on fat and cholesterol. I remember growing up in in the 80s and heart health was a huge thing. And my father used to eat Weetabix cereal every single morning. He would have two Weetabix with milk for his breakfast every morning. And I remember on the side of the box, he had like this heart health kind of logo thing that um, came out in the 80s and 90s that was... they were able to say this product is heart healthy. Now, actually, I went into the supermarket last week because I wanted to take photographs of the boxes of cereal for a, um, a blog post that's coming up soon. And I picked up the Weetabix and I had a look for this heart healthy symbol and it wasn't there anymore. So I'm assuming that we at least know the direct link between a high carb diet and heart disease. Well, the majority of us hopefully will get there someday. So then all of a sudden, when the keto community started to grow and the message started to get out there that actually we shouldn't fear fat, it's actually the carbs that are the problem, then that became the problem. Carbs are demonized. Carbs are the problem. Carbs were never the problem. Carbs don't make people fat. Carbs don't make people overweight. It's the, the... combination of carbs and fats together with low protein diet highly processed foods it's that combination that makes people fat keto works really well for uh, renewing and regenerating health and improving insulin resistance because you do a reset but if you reintroduce carbs and you have been strict long enough that they don't um, they don't really make you um, unwell anymore You can easily eat 30, 50, 70 grams of carbs a day and not have any issues. Now, I will never advocate anybody going back to like 300 grams of carbs a day. And that's what the standard Western diet is. It's 300 grams of carbs, it's low protein, and it's kind of high fat too. And that's what causes the problems. So now it's carbs that are the demon, carbs that have been demonized. And the sad truth is that some people need carbohydrate for balanced hormones, especially women need carbohydrate for balanced hormones at certain times of the month. And I'm talking about starchy carbs. I'm talking about whole food carbs, not cereals or grains, but like starchy vegetables, for example, uh, are really helpful. Uh, raw milk for is another one, or even um, UHT treated milk, pasteurized milk. Milk once in a while can be very beneficial, especially for women if they need some carbohydrate for their, uh, their hormonal health. And this has come to me from years and years and years of coaching people. But I know that Keto Dogma says that I cannot say those things. And I, like I said, I've been kicked out of groups for suggesting that maybe somebody needs something different than what the mainstream says that we should have. Another thing is meat. Meat is the new fat, right? Meat is, especially red meat, is bad for the environment. Red meat is going to give you cancer. And the sad truth is that that was never... um, it was never proven there was a correlation of course but you know when you are looking at nutrition and you are, are looking at what people have eaten 
eaten um, and most of these studies do that it's they, they will go into a cancer ward and talk to 100 uh, patients with colon cancer and say, what did you eat in the last five years? It's like, I'm sorry, I can't remember what I ate last Tuesday and it's Thursday. You know, am I going to remember what I've eaten for the last five years? And the fact is that a lot of these people would have said that they ate red meat um, and they may have, but what they fail to uh, tell the researchers because they don't ask is what else they have been eating. So maybe a lot of that red meat that they've been eating was um, McDonald's hamburgers or um, highly processed foods. And maybe they ate a lot of steak, but they also ate huge amounts of carbohydrate and highly processed carbohydrate at that so they might have had a steak but they might have had like a philly steak sandwich which is like obviously a huge amount of bread so it's a carbohydrate you've got all the fat from the meat and the cheese um and you've got a little bit of protein right so it really doesn't tell us the whole picture but meat now the finger has been pointed at meat for um environmental reasons but oh, i wish people would just take a moment to read the studies that have been done that show that monocultivation of crops and the the, um, the growing of grains and cereals and vegetables actually are worse for the environment than regenerative agriculture, like having ruminants on the land. And there's a wonderful, wonderful lecture that I'm going to put a link to in the notes uh, of, the, of today's show that is by um, a guy who used to work as an elephant ranger I think it was in Kenya and he and his team they I think they killed thousands of elephants to try and save the grasslands and it only made it worse and they realized that actually what they should have done was had more elephants because of how ruminants manage the grasslands so when you have ruminants which are like cows or sheep or goats or any sort of uh, roaming animal that eats a lot of vegetation what actually happens is that they they will actually squish down the grass and flatten it and what happens is that it protects the soil from the sun and from soil erosion and they are pooping as they go which regenerates the bacteria in the soil which nourishes the soil but not only that the grass underneath starts to rot the one that's been squished down it starts to rot and put put that that hummus goes back in as nutrients into the soil but not only that when you have ruminants on land, they encourage the grass to grow and grass can have really, really long roots, like six foot, six foot high, I'm going to say six foot down roots. And how grass get its food is one of the ways in which grass gets its food is by sequestering carbon from the atmosphere into its roots so that it can exchange these carbon molecules with fungus in the soil. So actually, the more grassland we have, the more ruminants we have, the more carbon is taken out of the atmosphere and sequestered into the soil. So if we changed our agriculture um, processes and policies to have ruminants on the land being able to roam being able to move as they wish we could fix environmental issues within a generation and all of that is available i'm going to put all of the links to all of the, that research and all of that information into the show notes for you but i wanted to use that to highlight the difficulties that we have in 
fear in in this toxic health fear-based culture that really is pushing us all off course and really unfortunately get your tinfoil hats out because at the end of the day what it all comes down to is the almighty dollar and unfortunately that's the price of our health is the profits of the people who will benefit from keeping us in this toxic health culture it's overwhelming it's restrictive it can become obsessive it can be counterproductive to your health if you get sucked into this toxic health and toxic dieting culture so my experience in this is obviously years of experimentation on myself i have quite a restrictive diet but that's because i know well what my body needs and what makes my body feel unwell but within my restrictive diet i have a huge amount of diversity i have as much diversity as possible i eat a lot of vegetables i eat a lot of meat i eat a lot of eggs i eat cheese sometimes um, and i even sometimes have a little bit of milk every now and again not a huge amount because i know how much my body can tolerate but just sometimes especially around uh, the menstrual cycle i might have a little bit of milk and i mean like a couple of tablespoons like at most but what I wanted to use this episode to do was to just highlight how toxic the health industry is and just to help you kind of take a look at your own weight loss journey if you are on one or take a look at your own health journey because maybe your goals are more health-based more personal development based but still are they toxic have you got Uh, a list of things to do every day that takes you two hours when in actual fact you could just pick one to do every day and it would still give you the same benefits it's the same with going to the gym do you go to the gym five days a week when actually three done the right way would be more effective just take a look at what kind of um, regimen you have what kind of routine you have when it comes to your health and your lifestyle and see if there's anywhere where you you just feel overwhelmed or you feel under pressure because that's when it starts to get into this counterproductive toxic health culture all right so we've come to the end of episode 19 luckily because the rain has just starting and i don't know if you can pick it up on microphone but anyway if you can hear the rain then (laughs) i do apologize but it is good timing because we've come to the end of today's episode so thank you very much for joining me if there's anything you'd like me to talk about anything that you think would make an interesting topic for the podcast please do feel free to reach out you can find me on facebook you can find me on instagram you can go to my website christinaoman.com and you can use the contact form there to send me an email you can email me directly christina at christinaoman.com with your suggestions and ideas so don't forget before you finish listening to this episode of the podcast just to give me a like wherever you are listening to it and perhaps leave a comment or two or maybe even a recommendation so that others can find this podcast and benefit from it as well. So thank you for joining me today and I'll see you again next week.